Welcome back to Bat Force Radio. The Halloween season may be over, but we are stubbornly clinging to the darker side of comics because it's just fun. Uh, at the roundtable this week, we've got Dunk in New York. What's up? Bat Force Tom in California. Cheers, guys. And I'm Robin Cross in Canada. Okay, so for a moment, imagine a Don Bluth-style Disney-looking story about a house full of happy puppies living their happy puppy lives together. Now add into that story a violent murderer who pried those puppies away from the dead hands of their owners after he viciously sent them to the unknown blackness of the afterlife and the ensuing struggle of these puppies to not suffer the same fate as their former owners. This is the premise of Stray Dogs, a massively popular five-issue miniseries from Image Comics and one of the very best comics of the year. If you have not read it already, go pick it up. Joining us this week to discuss Stray Dogs and the upcoming follow-up Dog Days coming on December 29th are its creators, Tony Fleeks and Trish Forstner. What an intro. I yeah, have, right? I have real chills. That's better than, that's better than what we usually do. <laughs> I love yeah, it. it's, uh, yeah it's, uh, it's the only thing that we get right from here on. It's going to be a train wreck. <laughs> that was great. Hey, Tom, where are you in California? I am in just uh, east of LA, in the just as you pass over into the nine hundred nine, San Bernardino okay. County. Yeah, I'm in uh, I'm in North Hollywood. Oh yeah, okay, you're super close by. I used to live out in uh, like the Pasadena area. Oh, right on. Yeah. Well, so. thanks guys for uh, taking the time to be here. Uh, as we were just saying, it's been uh, a crazy uh, past year for for both of you. Uh, I don't did did you guys expect the reception that stray dogs got yeah i mean everybody <laughs> their cartoon murder comic is gonna sell over a hundred thousand copies yeah it just uh those of us who follow uh you know any i don't know if we want to call them indie like images uh right up there as one of the big publishers these days, but uh, anyone who follows anything outside of Marvel and DC tended to know that this was coming, but uh, a lot of the casuals were kind of smacked in the face by this book that was just outselling everything. Yeah. Um, you know, no, seriously, we were super surprised. Like uh, we, we, we said it before, but like we were just hoping to get, to have people keep buying it through issue three so that we would have enough money from the sales one through three to make it to the end of five. Like we didn't expect people to like it. I mean, we hope people would like it, but we didn't expect people to turn out and buy it in the numbers that they did. Yeah. I I think uh, you did everything right to keep people interested Uh, as opposed to typical stories that are, you know, most comics are about humans. You know, if, if you're telling this, telling a story with animals rather than humans draws different emotions out of people, right? If you're reading 
a book and it starts off about a human character, you don't have any attachment to that character until you, you get to know them and you're given a reason to care about them. But when it's a story about a pet, you, you care about that pet from page one. Yeah. It was sort of, it's sort of cheating. Like we, uh, <laughs> we got to skip all the parts where, where we have to make you like the characters that you just, you should like them already because, because Trish draws them so adorably. Yeah. But so you, goddamn you, cute. you still did uh, give us that moment of peril at the beginning. You know, we're introduced to Sophie while she's at the vet and she's super afraid of getting a shot. So yeah, you, you still did those moments to draw people in. Relatable. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, especially now. Something like that. It's like, you know, uh, for anyone who owns pets, like uh, first thing I saw was a cover and I was like, oh, there's dogs on the cover. That's pretty neat. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's the homage to a horror cover. Ooh, I like horror. And uh, I, I remember telling Tristus over at a Baltimore Comic Con, I was like, I picked up the covers because of the art. And all the way to issue five, I picked up as many covers as I can because the art was just phenomenal. There was dogs and horror. Two things that everyone should love. <laughs> and then I was told to read the story, and I was like, I failed. I should have been reading this from the beginning. <laughs> you, kind, you got off light then. Like I, I, I talked to people that have read it, that read it when it was coming out, and there was we put serious cliffhangers in it that you didn't have to wait a month for. It yeah, you didn't have to wait through uh, you know, that, that period between three and four. Ugh. Good for that me. That's a tough one. Yeah. I, 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 I had to wait through those cliffhangers. But I did, I had the benefit of, I, I work in a comic shop, so I get the benefit of also speaking to other people who are forced to wait between those. So I, I'm not suffering alone. Yeah, like a support group. Yeah, exactly. We all sit around in a circle and talk about how horrible the two of you are being to us. <laughs> <laughs> but there were still people who wanted us to do this for like 20 issues, and I was just like, Wow. That would be really cold of us to have to do this for twenty issues. Yeah, yeah. When I, I think, when I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say the 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 way that it read was perfect in I think the five issues. It's like it just it just felt like the perfect story. Um, and it yeah, you know I I couldn't imagine having to wait through every single issue like that because it everything just kind of you know pops and uh, hits you quick and. You, you know, I, I remember reading it and I was just, okay, next one, next one. Like, it's just, it's nothing that you don't want, you don't want to put it down. You want to keep going because yeah. it is spe- suspenseful. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's perfect. I, you know, t- it's perfect the way it was. Going 20 issues on the one story would be, you know, difficult for you guys, I'm sure. So um, yeah. it was like the perfect amount of everything, really. Like, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, well, I agree. Um, thank um, you. It was like, it was just like, uh, I remember I was thinking there was like when when I the first trade when the trade came out and my uh, local comic shop was like I'm, I'm like oh I'm buying the trade and they're like have you even read it yet and I was like no and they're like well you got to read it I'm like well that's why I'm buying the trade you know <laughs> and and I'm like is it going to be a second volume because I had no idea it was just five issues and they were like no that's it and I was like no way like there's no way that this is just five <laughs> issues because. I just picked up like about, I don't know, 20 comic books just for stray dogs for the last like <laughs> four months. And um, this, is just, this is just one trade. This has to be good. And uh, the one uh, the one lady at my comic shop, she was like, you have no idea 
how good this is. <laughs> and she's like, once you get to the third part, don't get mad. Just keep on reading. <laughs> and, and then I did. And I, I, I you know, I, I've read it about four times. And it's just so well put together along with the art and the writing. And it's like, all right, cool. We got to see this on the big screen. But um, yeah, I'm like, uh, uh, such a great story. No, thank you. Yeah, we, we tr- I mean, we plotted it out as tightly as possible um, just because, you know, like like we said earlier, like we didn't expect it to to be a huge hit or anything. We just wanted to, it was all about making the readers want to come back every issue, you know? And, and so sometimes I, I get to the end of a comic and it just is like, that's the end of the comic, you know, like, and then there's other books you read where you get to the end and you're like, oh shit, I got to read the next one immediately. And I really, we really work to make Stray Dogs one of those oh shit comics rather yeah. than just the one where it's like the end. So like I would look at like Brian K. Vaughn comics and Kirkman comics and like uh, people that really know how to do serialized storytelling where it's not just about doing a chapter. It's about doing a, a single piece that makes you want to have to have the next piece. Um, it's you also mentioned in the um, in the, like the letter area or the you know the the back parts of the issues where uh, you had think tank you had a think tank of friends that you would kind of pitch uh, ideas to back and forth. Um, what was that like? You know, and, and what what you, what were the kind of areas that you were maybe like? Was it the the dog culture? Because I feel like when I'm when you're reading it. Um, you really like, that was great. Like, you know, the whole short-term memory thing, you know, made a lot of sense with the dogs and, and how they don't remember everything. And it makes sense as to how a dog can go one day through the other and not remember really terrible things. But, um, when you're pitching ideas back and forth, like, was it like the serial killer aspect? Like what ideas were you trying to pull and what, what ideas were you kind of getting from friends? Cause it's like a multi-layered book and you, on the surface it might seem that it's simple, but there's a lot of layers, you know, there's like the killer aspect, there's the dog culture aspect. And so there's a lot of things that um, any one of any one of these fans, like a, like a dog fan or like a horror fan would like complain about, like, if you're not getting it right. But you did a really good job, I feel, of like combining these two things into one one book. So what were the kind of things that you were like looking for help? Um, yeah. So basically what it was, was when I had the idea, I had a pretty clear idea of like, what the beginning was and what the ending was and like the twist in the first issue. I knew exactly what that was. Um, and then I knew some things happened in the middle, but it was just about like outlining it and then talking to people and getting just like bouncing ideas back and forth. I'm thinking about this. What do you think about this? So like um, you guys are Batman podcast. So you probably know Kyle Higgins who did like night yeah. for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a good buddy of mine. Uh, and he was actually instrumental in, in helping us uh get the book to image because uh, he was a big fan of the idea and he just wanted to help, help us out, you know, any way that he could. So he like walked it right up to, to Eric Stevenson at image. Um, but yeah, we set me and him sat down and, and like went to lunch and just uh, I went through the whole outline and then had a notebook out and would just take notes when he would say like, what about this? Or like, here's questions I have. Or, so it's just about like poking all the holes in it that you could. And then I had another friend, uh, Dennis Culver, who's also a Batman guy, he's doing the the future state Gotham yeah. right Ooh. now. Yeah, the uh, and I think is he doing the uh, next Joker? Yeah, 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 that's the next issue of that FOC today. Shout out for uh, <laughs> this week, um, and he's doing that the uh, multiverse Justice League things with uh, with Josh Williams. 
Um, but he was really good at the dog stuff you're talking about. Like he really uh, was <laughs> like annoyingly specific about <laughs> like what dogs would know and what they wouldn't know, you know? Wow. And so like, there's one point in the book where like Aldo says, Aldo went to the dog park with the master and he says like, he took his click box and he made a picture of a lady. Uh, Cause I was just like, he took a camera out and took a picture of a lady and he's just like, dogs don't know what a camera is. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I guess so. <laughs> but so there's like, he would poke holes in that stuff all the time. And that was like 50, 60% of the time I'd go like, all right, that's right. But then other times I'm just like, look, the, we just have to have a dog. Suspend some disbelief here. Yeah. Was, he yeah. the one, was he the one who kept saying like dogs wouldn't say God? <laughs> like, yeah we got some of that too like the we had say, like, oh my god say oh my god or yeah. um you know or goddamn or whatever and they wouldn't say that because they don't know they don't have a concept of god <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> oh, man. Pretty deep. yeah. Uh, but we sort of settled on the idea that like the personalities that the dogs have come from who their owners were this sort of like a nature nurture thing yeah. so like they it's not like they speak human language but like you can imagine like what Gucci's owner was like from what Gucci's like, or you can imagine like what kind of house uh, like Roxanne came from or killer or whatever. Uh. So, uh, so we just sort of uh, could skate the line on dog stuff that dog would know from that. But yeah, I, I went to like notes meetings with a bunch of writer friends or just like creator friends that I trust. And, and because we wanted to make sure it was as tight as possible, I just sort of, before we sat down and actually wrote the scripts, I went and got as, as many holes poked in the thing as possible. And then on issue four, like the big horrible thing that happens in issue four was sort of a question mark up until when we were working on it. Because it was just like in the outline, it just says something horrible happens. And we had a whole <laughs> other, <laughs> we had like a whole other storyline where like, the master brings a new puppy home and then the dogs piece it together that that means he's killed again. And, you know, but it just wasn't like, it was cool to that have was, a new puppy. And it would have been a cool thing, but I think it would have added like a whole another issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and it wasn't as visceral as what we ended up doing. Like you had Jesus. to actually see something awful to, yeah. to kick off that last chase at the end. Yeah, man. Uh, one of the things I do want to talk about is the juxtaposition of the very you know the innocent that pure art style versus the the darkness of the subject matter but i would like to get to that through the scope of your own origin stories uh, either one of you can go first but i just want to get into how both of you made your way to art like how you found art what was that that thing at you know at whatever point in your life that made you decide that you wanted to you wanted to create i've just always drawn things I like. I always liked to draw things, mostly cartoon characters, um, mostly things that were outside of outside of reality. You know, uh, like most kids, messed up childhood. So, <laughs> find find outlet through art. That's what I did, um, and yeah, it just kind of went from there. I was the same. I would draw cartoon characters as a kid I had a cousin that was that could like draw the cartoons off the TV and I thought it was like he was doing a magic trick you know <laughs> watch you know Garfield and Friends and he could just draw Odie and I would just be like gosh wizard so yeah I, w- I would sit around I have come from a big family and so 
there there wasn't enough attention to go around all the time. And so I would just sort of find my little sketchbook and find an area to just, you know, hang out and draw and, and would do that. And and having a, a lot of younger party. brothers and sisters. Oh, sorry, Trish, go ahead. That would be me. Every all every holiday party would be like, Where's Trish? Well, Pat at the time. Uh where's Pat? In a corner somewhere drawing. <laughs> yeah. Just same. you know, chilling. I had younger brothers and sisters, so I watched cartoons longer than like anyone else my age did, just because that was what was going on at the house. So, so I have like a a deep well of of cartoon history and inside of my brain, and then that's what I ended up being interested in. Like I wanted to either be an animator or be a comic book artist, and so I was just obsessed with like all the '90s uh, animation, like the Disney stuff and the Don Bluth stuff and Fox, and then later DreamWorks and and all that stuff. Amblin and all the all the big boys from our era. Um, mm-hmm. My my favorites were Bluth. Um, I I liked uh, like the Chipmunk Adventure was where a lot of animators that I really love started, and it was like nine hundred different artists drawing these same couple of characters. So you could tell scene to scene who was drawing what. It was really cool to learn over time. Um, but I I loved animation so. That's where my kind of input to this came from um, was that I would draw from that. I would say, hey, you know, in animation, um, it would look differently. Um, So our book kind of looks like it would be animation style style, like old tiny. Mm -hmm. The the characters don't have shading on them or if they do, it's very minimal, like a color wash or something like that. Not like deep comic book shading. So it's very uniquely different so yeah, did either of you do the uh like yeah. the art school path or you just saw where you wanted to go and and found your own way to to that goal no art school here <laughs> yeah I went, I went to art school um but i went for a completely different thing that i ended up doing i went for like computer animation um and then i uh um, ended up getting a job as a graphic designer for, for like six years at, right out of art school and sort of like that's where a lot of the, the horror covers like the design on those is very uh, we, we try to make it as perfect as possible and a lot of that is just tricks I picked up um, as a graphic designer and then and then I got into comics in about 2000 well my first book came out in 2006 and I would say that I started actually working like making a full living in comics about 10 years ago in 2010. And uh, when it came to this project, how, how did the two of you come together? Well, I'd been working on My Little Pony since 2012, um, the IDW's My Little Pony books. Um, and yeah, that for, was like... For, for anyone who doesn't know, I, I'll just uh, cut in there for a second. A lot of our listeners are probably not uh, My Little Pony readers, but We're not aware. both Pony and Trish have, have done a lot of uh, a lot of My Little Pony work. So hey, you'd just, be surprised, man. Yeah, just, just so uh, you guys are up to speed. But we the know. Batman Pony uh, contingent is not strong here on this podcast. <laughs> we, we're not sure. We'll see. We'll find out afterwards if we get a big a big uh, a big pop after this episode. Oh man, I feel so uh, I feel so listened to. <laughs> yeah, see, we'll see. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's about um, time. My world is colliding. 
But we, yeah, we worked on <laughs> I worked on My Little Pony from 2012 until I mean I still sort of work on it. Uh, we're just so busy with Stray Dogs that that I'm not doing anything right now. But um, but the the ponies aside from having like a big kids uh, audience and like the, a, a lot of the people that I see who buy their comics in the comic shop and I see at conventions like comic conventions are people with their kids and their kids, like some of them like learn to read from our comics or something. Like I see people who read stray dogs now who used to read our pony comics. Um, so years on that book, but the other side of it is there's bronies, which are like adult fans of my little pony mm-hmm. and they have their own conventions. And so like, there's this whole other world of, of like the, it's like a whole other income stream. Like I did comic cons and then all of a sudden I could also do my little pony cons where it's just like, Oh my, you know, this changes my whole dynamic, my oh. whole situation. Yeah. Um, and I met Trish at a, my little pony con and she worked at, at Brony con, which is like the biggest one for, uh, for like seven years. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I worked there for like seven years on the design team. It was really cool. Um, made a lot of cool signage and made sure that the convention was easy to read for people to, you know, that came, um, but yeah, I also got my start in comics at uh, for My Little Pony. Uh, my first published covers were with My Little Pony. Um, and yeah, met Tony, uh, worked my way in through the ranks of guestdom. And, uh, you know, somehow he wanted to talk to me. So it was really cool. Aside <laughs> from just doing signage, like, tr- like at these conventions, the people in the art department will draw up like, pony versions of the creators that are coming to the shows or the voice actors, the actors or whatever. And so Trish had actually drawn me as a pony like before we even met, like she she came up to the table one time and was like, here's this thing I drew of you. I was just like, what, what what is this? Uh, Like, like it was so cool. Um, And she would draw all kinds of cool stuff. And then she would set up at the show too and sell her own pony drawings and her own art books and stuff like that. And one of the art books had this drawing she had done of her, of a dog of hers that had passed away, but it was like an all dog. She had a drawing of her dog. Um, and uh, when I had the idea for this book, I was thinking about like, I don't want to draw myself. I want to find somebody who draws in a more animate, like even more animated style than me uh-huh. who would be good for that. And then I just remembered that drawing from that sketchbook. And, and then I uh, reached out to Trish. Damn. It's just like, that's so crazy how like, that's just kind of like, oh yeah, we'll just hit her up and then we'll start this book and then boom, 100,000 copies <laughs> later. You that's think awesome. it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. so, so you mentioned um, um, the the graphic design uh, background uh, being uh, a tool for doing uh, all those different covers. Where Where did the idea come from? To, to make all of these horror movie poster uh, covers, like to, to make it a thing. So there's a, a retailer that I'm friends with uh, who has these shops uh, called Collector's Paradise out here in, in yeah, California, dude. in Greenberg. And uh, he was like, he was a big fan of the book. He had like taken me to uh, Comics Pro, which is like a... Oh. Do we have no, the, the hang on, hang on one oh, second. Hold that, hold that. There Tony it is. Tony the pony. <laughs> Tony the pony, look at that. Pony fleece. Awesome. So handsome. His name is Tony Fleece. Yeah. I, do not I, like, I like the tattoo on his butt. Yeah, I've got the same one. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Beautiful. Days. That's days. awesome. 
<laughs> but yeah, Ed had said, uh, like, you got to do these movie covers for this book. Uh, you should, because, like, at the time, Ice Cream Man was doing them and yeah. Bitterroot was doing them. Okay. And he was like, these books, like, they sell like crazy. Yeah. Um, and he was like, you should do, because it's like an animated style thing, you should do, like, you know, animated style covers, you know, do like Lady and the Tramp and Oliver and Company and all those go to heaven and stuff like that. And I was like, at first I was against it just because I was like, well, we worked really hard to make this cool thing that sort of stands on its own, you know? Um, and then I was just sort of kicking the idea around in, at my studio. Uh, and uh, again, Dennis Culver, uh, my studio mate who, who works on that future state Gotham was like, don't be stupid. If you do it, you should do horror movies because it already looks like a cartoon. Like you don't have to say it's a cartoon. Like it looks like a cartoon. So do horror movie covers. And I was like, Oh, it's interesting, but I still wasn't into it. And then I talked to image about it and Kat Salazar at image. The, uh, the PR person was like, that's actually really uh, like a really smart thing to do because the trouble of this book is telling people it looks like it's a cartoon, but it's actually horror. And if you just show them, mm. like Dunk said, like you saw it, it looked like a cartoon and it looked like horror. Like that's what we, that's what the sort of what we got to do without having anybody have to pitch it or anything like that is you just see it and you know, it's a cartoon horror just because it looks like Silence of the Lambs or it looks like Pet Cemetery or whatever. Genius. Yeah. yeah it, uh, shout out to Collector's Paradise. That used to be my um, shop when I was in Pasadena, the Pasadena store. I know they got one out in Winnetka and the North Hollywood too. So, yeah, man, I miss that. And then I miss them, man. They did uh, they did variants for all of our books, so they they've got a Exorcist one and an Alien cover coming for for Dog Days. Awesome, yeah. They um they host uh, all the they're like the the on location host for the um Bat in the Sun stuff. I know that Aaron from Bat in the Sun has a good relationship with Ed and Collectors Paradise. Oh, cool. So yeah, and they have an amazing poll system. Like um, if you Sign up if you sign up for their pull list. Everything's online, and so you can add and you can add and take off your titles on their website. Wow. It's freaking awesome, man! No yeah, need. Uh, didn't mean to turn this like, into a <laughs> a commercial. <laughs> yeah. do like suggested pulls where like if you read Batman, right? They'll be like, "We'll put Detective in your pull too," and then if you don't want it, you can just say like, "Oh, I don't want that." Yeah, so like it's very smart. Solid. Yeah, and then and they they tell you, yeah, it's just like I miss that shop, man. It's a great shop, and they work hard. They work hard to to please the reader. So, yeah. Now the uh, not only did the horror variants become something that uh, you became a thing for collectors to be hunting down, trying to collect every one, uh, and you know that's continuing with uh, Dog Days. There are horror variants coming for those, of course, but you guys are also doing um, Dynamite stray dogs covers on <laughs> yeah. a few uh titles that was cool to see those start popping up how, how did that come up uh i'd done work for dynamite i'd done dog comics at dynamite before uh fans of my early work boo the world's cutest dog might have found, found their way to stray dogs <laughs> from from the dynamite <laughs> series boo the world's cutest dog um but i knew those guys like from having done work with them for years um and nick barucci just hit me up. He has sort of like a good radar for when an indie comic uh, blows up, you know, because it's sort of like you see, like if you see an image comic blow up, oftentimes you can look at dynamite in like a few months and you'd be like, Oh, that person, like right now, Mark Andolfo is writing red Sonia, you know, like you'll just see somebody move over and dynamite has a, a real good nose for sort of emerging talent. Yeah. 
and they know how to make money. So <laughs> he was like, well, this book makes money. Let's get some of that. <laughs> um, and, and we were sort of clear that like, we don't want our rights to be in any way mixed up in anything. So they're dogs covers, yeah. you know, not, not necessarily stray dogs covers, mm. but, but yeah, it was fun to get to draw get the our flavor dogs. just, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's a homage. Right. <laughs> more, more so than yeah. a crossover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the, I, um, I got to have a lot of fun with those dogs too. Cause it was kind of cool. Like on the vampy cover with that, really spicy looking Doberman. He was really cool. <laughs> yeah, and we could we could do like one off dogs where like the Red Sonia cover, I thought Trish did amazing dogs because it's just all these like cold weather husky dogs and stuff. Um as far as the dogs and, and stray dogs, are any of the dogs designed after anybody's real dogs? Oh yeah. Yeah a bunch of them. Yeah, a bunch of them. Um Roxanne is designed after my dog. Uh, my dog's name is Eve. She's an Alaskan Malamute. She's nine years old. She's awesome. Mm. Um, if this room were clean, she'd probably be in here right now. But, <laughs> yeah, other Henry is is based on my ex's dog, and um, and then Killer is based on my buddy Gary's dog, who uh, is is who uh, sold is producing the the stray dogs movie. If there's a stray dogs movie, he's producing it. They. Wow. He, he sold the movie basically, so I was like, "Let me put his dog in here just so that he doesn't forget about this book, <laughs> and, and, and maybe he'll he'll go get us some Hollywood money." Mm. Um, and then similarly, Aldo is based on, um, on my manager's dog. Uh, so yeah, just sort of, those were like uh, very uh, targeted dogs. I was just like, if I put these two people's dogs in here, they will go sell this <laughs> <to> Hollywood. <laughs> And yeah, that, that was very cool news to hear too for anyone who was enjoying the series. And I feel like it happened pretty early that the uh, the story had been optioned. Yeah, we sold it bef- like before the book even came out. Wow! Basically, it That's was amazing. No, oh, yeah, I mean, it was basically I had pitched the story before I even told Trisha, but like before I even had had figured out that Trish was the right person. Um, I was like at Comic Con and uh, like. Barcon at Comic Con is either you know like schmoozing or it's like hanging out with your friends who are creative people and just doing like creative bullshitting, and that's the part that I much prefer. Like I'm I'm not very great at schmoozing. I just like if I'm talking to somebody who could give me work for too long and they're not talking about giving me work, I'm just like this seems boring. Like (laughs) (laughs) well, we both know what we're doing here, but so I'd much rather just sort of like sit around and talk to friends. And uh, and I was talking to my friend Gary. Uh, who's a who's a screenwriter? He wrote uh, like Stephen King's It and uh, Anna, the Annabelle movies. And I told him this idea I had about a, a dog serial killer thing. And when I got to the twist in it, when Sophie says, "You know, your master took my lady, or killed my lady, and then he he brought me here," um, he was like, "Holy shit, that's crazy!" Like, when that's a comic, let me know because I want to do something with it. And so we. Wow wanted to have as much of the book done before, before we put anything out, just because Trish and I both have like other jobs and stuff. And we didn't want there to be any possibility that the book was late. So the first mm-hmm. issue was done for like a year before anything came out. Wow. So once the first issue was done, I gave that to, to my manager and to Gary and was just like, go do whatever. Um, and then, so then they had sold it to Paramount uh, in July and then the book came out in February. So yeah, it was, wow. it was way before. Wow. 
crazy. Amazing. Wow. Um, what uh, what kind of inspiration did you guys look at for the design of uh, uh, what's what did you, what do they call them? Owner, master. Mm-hmm. What what did you guys look at as far as like what he should look like? Because I think he looks great. You know, unassuming yet at the same time creepy. Yeah, yeah that's just... pretty much it. That's the description I give him. Unassuming every man. He could just be anybody. And, you know, I just want to, and, and there was a part of me that was just like, this guy just has to look like you could hate him. Like mm-hmm. at the end, we, we really, when we finally see him, you know, you just have to be able to hate his stupid face. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know. You did a great job with the stupid face. Cause he doesn't <laughs> just do that. Just <laughs> great, out of all... yeah, it just had to look like. Yeah, the you know, just anybody. There. Like he could be your neighbor. He yeah. could be yeah. anybody. Yeah, the uh, the yeah. mirrored the mirrored square frame glasses, not being able to see his eyes. You know, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah and uh, and I like how we don't see a lot of him through most uh-huh. of the story. You know, yeah. you see like kind of the dog the dog level views of him, and uh, it it feels sort of like when you watch Seven for the first time and you don't know who the killer is because you know that back in the time before the internet. No one knew that Kevin Spacey was in the movie, so you didn't know what John Doe looked like. Mm-hmm. Kind of has that kind of feel. You don't know what the villain looks like. And how crazy too that, like, even with Seven, there was a twenty-year twist with Kevin Spacey coming later. That we know. <laughs> yeah, oh, who knew he was a monster? All yeah, time. fantastic. Uh, you know, uh, drawn-out suspense. Yeah, was, that's what a twist. Method acting. <laughs> yeah, um, now, we looked. I mean, we just made that master as plain as possible. Like we looked at like. Um, I think like filmation, like the, I was always saying like, make him like a filmation background character or something, you know, like just a, just like if you're watching a, a television cartoon and there's just somebody drawn in the background in the crowd, like you just want him to look like that. Cause you, you it's scarier if he's just a doofus or he's just mm-hmm. like a regular shithead. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I've never trusted anybody with those glasses and the tucked in button down. <laughs> With yeah. uh, with into the pants, like I've just never. It's made me uneasy since day one, and so at the minute home, I saw, yeah. So it's like sitting around having tucked in shirts at home. That's crazy. Yeah. What is this guy? What is this guy's deal? Um, something. I maybe I'm being too deep and nerdy about it, but a question I had when I was uh, getting through the couple of issues, more so towards the end, um, because that's kind of how you see when you see that forbidden room, and you kind of see really what's in in there. Um, but the killer, man, okay, well, we're going spoilers. So, I mean, it's not, not <laughs> should have read it by now. <laughs> I know. Right. Um, so he, he seems the type to collect trophies right now. And I, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but it almost feels like, you know, that room that no one's allowed into it's, it's filled with like the garments and the belongings of things of the victims that he's taken. But then when you really see and read through the end, it makes me think, oh man, the dogs were the trophies. And the dogs oh, were the ones he yeah. was collecting the dogs as. Because at first I'm like, what's the deal with the dogs? Like, why does he take the dogs? You know? And then it really does hit you at the very end when you see, you know, the generations of dogs that he's had. And then what he does to them, you know, to, to hold on to them even afterwards. And it's like, holy shit, like they're the trophies. Yeah. Yeah. You read that exactly correctly. Okay. And uh, and I love yeah, how just uh, pull those layers away, onion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how so much played on the memory 
capability of dogs. You know, we had the situation that, you know, even like the, the very oldest dog who had been there the longest couldn't possibly believe that, that the, the master was a bad guy because no, I've been here. I don't remember any life before this. And, and even uh, Sophie, when we meet her, it's, it's the, the scent of, of her former owner that, that triggers that memory in her, but then it fades away. And then she has to get that back again before they can start putting things together. PTSD, man. Mm-hmm. PTSD. <laughs> great, great, great representation of PTSD too. Well, yeah. <laughs> we didn't dig too deep into it, but we did sort of like the idea of, of triggers and, and that sort of thing was important yeah. to the, to, to how the plot was going to play out. I don't know if it's representation so much as like exploitation, but, it, but Hey man, it works either way. Like, you know, it's, it's fantastic um, as a mechanism and, and, you know, smells and feels and, you know, the scarf um, that, that really is kind of a universal thing. And it really makes you feel for the character because you see that little glimpse and window of her former life and the love that she had for uh, her owner. And then the disgusting depravity of uh, the master. So it's just what a creep, you know, like she's, he thinks she's cold and shivering. And he's just like, let me put this thing that I murdered your owner with around your neck. And and that's what, that's what makes it so good though, is, is how creepy and how like gross it is, is um, that they're really like that. You know, you, these, these uh, individuals who uh, are on some weird destructive end of a spectrum, um, they, they lack so much empathy and uh, they don't have those same connections. And so these things are just, they're just objects and they have no, uh, you know, they have no second meaning. And so, um, well, that was, yeah, that was part of keeping the master's face and keeping his story really out of the book. Like, it's not about what his, like we reveal sort of what his deal is through what the dogs discover, but we don't like, I never thought it was interesting to get into like, you know, why he keeps dogs or what his deal is because like, that's, you know, I don't care. Like uh, fuck serial killers. They're dumb. (laughs) (laughs) These guys suck. Uh, And so it's much more interesting to follow. Like, that's why the the movies that people like are like a Zodiac where you follow the detectives or, you know, like ones where you follow somebody who's like, or like silence of lambs or it's detectives and victims and stuff. I mean, silence of lambs sort of celebrates the serial killer. And, and more and more as it goes on. But it was just like having him not be in there was one, it keeps you in the dog's perspective all the time. And two, you don't have to ever come up with some dumb reason why he wants to steal people's dogs. You know, mm. because it's, and also it's just to let the reader come up with what it is on their own. Like whatever you come up with, what his deal is, is going to be better than if we told you like, Oh, his you know, his dad beat him and he, he took his dog and threw it away or, you know, some, you know, whatever. How was the how was the conversation with uh, trying just trying to figure out which characters or uh, which um, which dogs would fit which characters? Because uh, uh, you know, specifically, you you read this and here's Sophie, uh, such a, such a small, curious dog, yet so um so brave and like so aware of her surroundings and um just trying to get to the bottom of things like how was how did that go with the way it's drawn and to fit the characters i think trish would have like would have a good take on what the what the design of the characters was but we started before we had what kind of dogs they were or anything we just had sort of like archetypes like 
there's the the final girl like the main character who is who starts off afraid and gets brave and you've got like uh the alpha dog and you've got like the sassy dog and you've got the sympathy dog and you've got the old dog and so it's just like these characters that we knew like because of what the plot was going to be we need dogs that fit these parts and then it was sort of like the character designing was almost like casting right yeah it was pretty much like casting we needed a big like we need we need a big dog that doesn't really do anything until the end so let's pick the biggest freaking dog we can find <laughs> and imaging you know uh who doesn't love her she's beautiful um or we knew like we we wanted um we wanted sophie to be a smaller dog um someone or some a dog that could be kind of sketchy like scared and skittish at first and then kind of really comes to her own through the story um and so we picked a papillon because they're generally not i mean i looked into the breed anyway they're generally not you know super sketchy but uh or skittish but they they can be um but they're you know pretty pretty even dogs actually um but i wanted a small dog one with a lot of fluff and and could be cute um and yellow like a because like the, the leads in those horror movies are blondes, you know. Yeah, usually blondes. Drew Barrymore. Yeah. But like, I also we also leaned into the natural colors a lot because you know it's it's easier to relate to them more when they're not fantastic colors when they're not you know cartoon colors. Like you look at a Don Bluth film and you know a lot of it's really exaggerated. Like you know the colors are saturated, really saturated, less muted. I liked keeping them more down to earth color wise. Um, I think the most fantastic dog we have is Gucci. Like she, she's pretty like wild yeah, she had, design. She's got pink eyes for sure. Yeah. She's got pink eyes. She looks like an alien. I love that dog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but she's like the most fantastic one. She's got that hair that kind of does that little curl at the back. Never changes. Love it. Um, but yeah. And we wanted a dog that was kind of sassy, but was like an alien. She's like a diva, you know. So we kind of played on some tropes, and we kind of, you know, did some playing with um, opposites. Um, but yeah, and plus with all the different dogs, you could play with the sizing, which was really cool. Um, and your old dog, you just want one that's got a lot of wrinkles, you know. <laughs> No, and we you... had like a lineup of dogs that we just sort of, it started out and it was just like, every time Trish would send a sketch, we would sort of like, I would put the sketch into the lineup and it was sort of like building our, our Avengers team or whatever, you know, it was just sort of like our lineup, <laughs> our usual suspects, mm. Kevin Spacey again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it start and sometimes at the beginning, like I said, the dogs that were based on real dogs, like we would just have a photograph in there, like do this dog or do this dog. And then, mm. just, and then, when it finally got done, we have this big long lineup that's all the dogs and all the shapes and and just like even like at the very beginning, just seeing that, I remember I printed it out and put it in my notebook just so when I was outlining and writing stuff, I, I could just look at the characters and be like, oh, this character fits like this, and you know, like it was really inspiring to have that to look at when I was uh, when I was putting the story together. That's another part of animation that I loved was all the development work that could go into making an animated like movie or whatever. So to, to do this development work for this, it was just kind of like filling, filling that hole in my life 
that I needed animation for. <laughs> um, so we made like a, a size comparison chart and, um, you know, just so many sketches and things. I cannot wait until we can finally show them all. That's awesome. Oh, be cool. awesome. Now you used uh, the, the term casting uh, for uh, the different dogs and that actually leans right into something I wanted to ask about. So over the course of writing a story like this, it seems inevitable that at least at some points you would start to apply a voice to the characters as you're writing them. W- would you hear voices for the the characters in the story, for the dogs, and who would you cast if, if you could do the casting? Who would you have voicing these characters? Who who did you feel in them? As you Gosh, were, uh, I'm horrible at this. <laughs> I'm not good at the casting game. I uh, I would hear voice types more than I would hear like a specific. I mean, like the Rusty character when we first were concepting the idea, it was sort of it was based on the idea of like the Billy Joel dog in in Oliver and Company, just like a cool, confident dog, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we always called him the Billy Joel dog, but I don't think he sounds like Billy Joel so much. Like he sounds like a you know like a George Clooney or like a you know like a that sort of like confident You're leading man, you're leading man, type. leading man voice. Yeah. <laughs> I always just say whoever puts the most butts in seats is who I would like to. <laughs> there you go. Listen, Rusty is Robert Downey Jr. And then let's sure. move on from there. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's as far into the casting game as I'm I like, can get. Who is Sophie like, B? I mean, Chris Pratt. <laughs> no, he's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know who would be good as like a Roxanne would be like a uh, like a Jennifer Tilly type. Oh, like so, the that pruny, sultry, yeah, like, sort of a vocal fryish. Yeah, um, Sophie. So you mentioned listen, Sophie. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel plays Imogene. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. She just said, he just says woof 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 like group. Yeah, woof woof woof, woof, woof. or or just says family <laughs> every time. Woof, woof. Yeah. Yeah, that's what the woof 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 translates to before he pushes the master down the steps. Yeah. For family. Oh shit, Tom. Yeah. yeah, man. Hey, when when that when that casting comes out, guys, I'm ready to put in my uh my audition. So just let me Tom's know. A professional a- dog voice actor. You got a yeah. pro microphone already, you're set. Yeah, yeah. Um you mentioned Drew Barrymore when you were thinking of Sophie. So Drew Barrymore is not I think is there like a um who's a Drew Barrymore and as they say that, we need a Drew Barrymore type. Yeah, and instead of getting Drew Barrymore, they say we need a Drew Barrymore type. It's so funny. I love how they say that. <laughs> like, uh, um, who's the, who? She's really hot, right? I mean, she's like hot as in like she's like the thing, the the person right now. She was um, in uh, what's not the not the what's the movie where M Night Shyamalan eventually he joined the universes of Unbreakable, and then also oh, you talking about Anna Taylor Joy? Is that her? Is that her yeah, name? Queen's Gambit, the one from Switch. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if she, she has a very specific voice. I can't think of her voice, but I know that she's like the it girl right now. What's or one girl of that's in uh, Only Murders in the Building and Spring Breakers. Oh my God, uh, Selena Gomez. She, yes, Selena Gomez. Selena yeah. Gomez. Yeah, she's got a Google. Cool voice. Google Selena Gomez, totally in control of me. It's this like sixty-year-old man. Um, who's obviously has some sort of th- something wrong with him, unfortunately. However, he's making he'd made videos of how he's obsessed with Selena Gomez, and 
you can tell that he types out his script and he reads it from the script. It's like a 10 minute video. Selena Gomez, totally <laughs> in control of me. Yes. And I'll tell you why. And he well, like goes, I'm excited to watch this. <laughs> well, that's that's the same things you send us about Demi Lovato, Tom. Oh, Demi Lovato, <laughs> man. Demi. I guess what creeps me out about this guy is that this video is from 2011. Did you look it's it up already? Gomez. Oh, man. Yeah. You looked it up already? must have been like 14 in 2011. So that oh, guy, get right. that guy for the master. <laughs> sure. Yeah. He's, that guy, he's look, at what he's, look what he's wearing, right? And he's got the, does he have the glasses in that video? He's got the glasses, too. His teeth are way grosser than the master's teeth. That's just because we didn't really draw that, that detail. But I mean, you know, I'm, he's, he's, I mean, he's got the elements of it right there, so. Yikes. I gotta yeah, watch man. this video. Well, thank you for that. You gotta watch, the, guys. You gotta watch the video. Trust me. It's uh, you're gonna have a lot of questions. So. I already do. <laughs> First of all, why? <laughs> a lot of questions. First of all, how dare you? Oh man. When when did you guys uh what, like when was the moment when you realized or heard how big of a hit the book was? Like where were you, and what was your reaction? Well, I think when I when the first issue first came out, I li- I did take the day off of my day job, and I went <laughs> to the comic book shop, and I was like, oh, yeah. "Look how cool I am!" You That's know, awesome. Take, yeah, you have take to take the picture in front of the the display, yeah. and I'm feel? standing in line talking to uh, the shop, uh, the person at the shop, and I get text from Tony. You know, they want to do a second printing. You know, I think that was what we were already doing already. It was already going to a second print, like the first day. Yeah, first day. Yeah. So I'm like standing in line and I'm like, huh. (laughs) (laughs) Quietly freak out. (laughs) You know, I went out to my car and I'm like, oh, God, so beautiful. I don't know what else to do. I didn't know what else to do. So then I went to another shop. And of course, that one's more local to my house. So I, uh, you know, I just kind of that. That's not when I knew it was like a huge hit. Like I just thought, you know, this is great. This is way better than our expectations were. And then um like around issue three, when I thought we would lose literally half of what we had Ooh. as an audience. <laughs> like I thought people would just be like, We're done with nope. you. How dare you? None. How dare you? The audacity and then Why? leave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we only really had like one kind of sketchy review from issue three that I remember seeing. Mm. Um, but then after that, it was just all just couldn't keep them on the shelves. People were trying to find us so that they could get copies from us. It was, uh-huh. you know, or me anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, yep. the, we got a Facebook group. It's just, it's just been bananas. Mm. bananas. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't sure, but when the book came out, like the numbers were pretty good for like, we were always just like, we've never done an image book before. People only know us from my little pony, you know, like, so our expectations weren't enormous, but then, so then uh, the original numbers were really good because we did a lot of work um, beforehand, like talking to retailers and Mm -hmm. I went to this retailer summit and like we sent packages to all sorts of retailers with posters and previews and, all kinds of stuff. And so we had sort of done the work, but I, you know, I'd done that before and, and, and you sold like 300 copies of a thing, you know, it just sort of is, it's like the luck of the draw sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the day the first issue came out, uh, like I was all of a sudden just like, I got like a 
a DM from uh, like Scott Snyder was like, Hey, can you send me the rest of the stray dogs? Cause I want to read <laughs> like, the rest of this thing. And I was like, Oh, that's different. You know, like, <laughs> that's not something I expect. I don't know that person. Yeah. Um, that's a, and, yeah, that's yeah. And then it was like, the book was doing good. And you know, like there's the first issue sells something and then you'll usually lose a certain percentage for the second issue, which we did. And Trish was just like, well, this is no good. Like, I thought we were. Yeah, I, I thought we sold that out. number. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's I that's was, inevitable. Like, my, I was like losing my mind. But but then from there we. And when we added, get the numbers for number two, I'm like. Yeah, yeah. Trish was <laughs> Trish was in a state. <laughs> uh, I was. But from was there we added week, every I'm... issue, which normally it continues to fall off. But yeah. issue yeah. three sold more than two, and four sold more than three, and five sold more than four. Yeah. And then in between there, like we started having to reprint and reprint and reprint. And the the day that I knew it was a, a big success was that when we did those final printings, like it was successful already. Like it was good. Like this has been a good, a profitable endeavor. This worked out. People read it, you know, like this has gone well, but then we did those final printings and it sold, we sold like 167,000 comics in one day. And, and that was completely unexpected and just like. That doesn't happen anymore. Different. Yeah, this is a different thing than than what we were than we what we thought. Yeah. You guys were just, you were just pumping up, like keep, keep on pumping these uh these printings with these amazing covers. Like I'm looking now, I I have let's let's see let's see a couple dunk. Let's like, show us a couple. I have, uh, here's a the fifth whoa, 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 printing. One. That is a beautiful Dracula. Yeah, so this is the that. fifth printing of issue one. Gorgeous. Yeah. That, and then uh, my my favorite one was the curl one, and I think that was a uh, one in ten or one in twenty for the fifth print. One in ten. One in ten. Yeah. Very nice. Oh, yeah. Very they were all nice. facing butts for obvious reasons. <laughs> 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 nice. Um, here's here's another one. Hang on one second. Yeah, that's audition. Oh, yeah. Audition. <laughs> yeah, that was that my was... local comic book shop. Loved that cover. It's one of those ones where, like, unless it's very few people know what it is, but when they know, they're like, "Holy shit! I can't believe somebody uh-huh. did that." Yeah, that's one like, of the cool things. That guy thing- got everything that he deserved. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the cool things was watching customers come in uh, each time another uh, one of these movie variants was out, and people seeing it every day on the shelf going, "Oh, which one is this? What movie was this? Uh-huh. Oh, it's this! Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it." Nerds. Yeah. Oh, this is, this <laughs> is actually one. Of, I have multiple copies of this one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. That cover was amazing. Love that movie. Uh, when he first wakes up in the um, hospital and he like he sees the first zombie and he throws something at it and he goes, I shouldn't have done it. But his <laughs> accent is so strong. When I first heard it, I'm like, did he just say I'm shitting a donut? <laughs> I shouldn't have done it. <laughs> shouldn't have done it. Uh, Killian Murphy. The craft. Questionable yeah. whether or not it counts as a horror movie. I count it. Got it's a horror spooky. Movie. It's a spooky yeah. movie. Yeah, spooky. let's go spooky. We could just say spooky. Oh, that's another one. So I, I, th- I think spooky. The kids say. Now. You thought Dunk was joking, but no, he really did just go all out on these covers. All of them. And then at, at Baltimore, I picked up the. This is a yeah, Bird Baltimore City. Bird City. Oh, yeah, right? man. That's I. I think that's my favorite. I I uh, I remember uh, the, that I was standing in line like three hours before Baltimore Comic Con opened. I was with Risley, and he's like, yo, you have to get this cover. And I was like, yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> so they gave, us, they, they gave you this Sold map time. before you walked in. And it's like, all right, cool. I have to 
walk straight two aisles, walk across six, get this comic book, go over two, and go straight to Trish. And that's exactly nice. What I said. So you grabbed it and then you got it signed. I ran her out. Yeah. Isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah, what was the line nice. like when you got there? Well, I think uh, I think Trish, you were pretty surprised with your line. Um there was uh Yeah, it was busy the whole time. It was crazy. That's great. I've never seen anything that's awesome. like that before. Yeah, I never uh, my, good my, good for my, you. My first day I got this done. <laughs> oh, oh hang on. Yeah, a little tiny <laughs> Sophie remark. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I had to I had to get so that. Get some open space for you, Tony. Um, okay. And then uh, the second day, I, no, <laughs> the later on the same day, I went back and got my friend uh, a sketch. But then, um, as I, as I'm standing in line, I was like, you know what? The back of this book is blank. Mm. I need a butt. Light bulb. <laughs> I got a then, light bulb uh, on that book. So uh, Saturday morning, I ran back in line. You got a Sophie there part. it is. <laughs> Genius. Does it line up? It oh, does. Does it? Yeah. It, oh, listen to you. I think I, tried, I think I tried to line it up a little bit. It's pretty like, solid. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that works. Close enough. Close enough. Yeah. So it would have worked better yeah. if like her front feet were like on there a little bit. Hey, don't critique yourself. You were it was busy. It was a convention. You did fantastic. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm more than I'm more than I'm so happy with that. And so is everyone in the in the group as well. That's awesome. Yeah, they loved it. Uh, that was the joke the whole rest of the weekend. Was to, yeah, you know, I kept on walking by and I was like, you're drawing butts tomorrow. You're That's like, awesome. Draw butts. Butt remarks. Draw butt remarks. <laughs> Dunk, you mentioned that there were some uh, questions. <laughs> yes. So um, uh, you guys are part of this uh, wonderful group, uh, the Stray Dogs and um, Good, Boy Good Boy comic community. And I got a couple of questions there. I know Trish, you probably cheated, and uh, so you... no, I didn't. I didn't have time. I didn't have time. I didn't cool. have time so, to go cheat. So I'm gonna that. ask a couple of questions from some of the people in the group, and I'm pretty sure you're used oh, to some of these fancy. names. Speaking of good boys, no, we got a hey, good boy. <laughs> we got a cameo. We got a cameo right now. This is this is the real star. Here we go. <laughs> this is who we came to interview. So, uh, how do you like your pets? Yeah. How 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 do you do on the book? I like to I like to appear with the dog, just so people know that I'm not an actual monster. <laughs> <laughs> that master is not based on you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't even wear glasses anymore. <laughs> okay. Okay. He's like, put me down now. I said I no cameras. I've made my All appearance. Right. Questions. <laughs> So yeah, in this group we got a good, good amount of questions. Um, the first question, of course, uh, is from Doc. Um, is there any future collaborations uh, with the three of you, with Trish, Tony, and Tone, that you guys are aware about or okay, could talk about? I mean, beyond Dog Days, we're so busy with that right now. We don't have anything planned, but I'm definitely thinking about what the what the next thing would be. Awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty. And sure. I'm on board. I'm sure. <laughs> that's awesome uh the next one is uh nick any nightmare on elm street uh covers in the works hmm. i don't think so it was real difficult because of the because of freddie's glove and it's like a trademark glove you know and, oh yeah and we don't have ever on those covers we don't have dogs holding things and we don't have them wearing things so like sweater hmm doesn't really work and the hat doesn't really work so it's just like really difficult to do 
um, a, a Freddie cover. Just make each uh, other so like licensing issues. There's one that they tr- that they sent us a sketch of because there's going to be a just a ton of uh, retailer covers for for Dog Days. They sent us a Freddie sketch and we sent it back with notes and I don't know what's going on with it. So there there may be one, but I don't I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Um, <clears throat> next is uh, Shane, and we kind of touched base on this. Is like any um, any movement with uh, Paramount Pictures on movies or shows in the works? Have you heard anything um, else besides after after selling the? Yeah, no, we get <laughs> updates and stuff, but there's nothing to report uh, as of right now whether or not uh, whether or not it's going to be a real thing or not. We'll know uh, early next year. Uh, that's how long the option runs for. So cool. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are excited for that. Like uh, personally, after reading it, I'm like, I can't wait to see this on on the screen. Like it's uh, um, it's definitely there. The, the the footprints are there for that. Well, we pop. We know that they've been yeah. the paw prints. Paw prints. We know that they've been sort of paying attention to how the book is done, and sort of like when when there's been like excitement or anything cool happens with the comic, like we know that that sort of makes its way to Paramount. Like they're they're watching. So yeah. the book doing as well as it did, I think, definitely has not hurt the prospects. For yeah, built-in audience, you know, you can't really lose. So yeah. Um, <clears throat> next up is uh, Cynthia. When are you guys going to be in Chicago? And uh, I'll add to that: Are any of you going to be a C two E two? When is C two E two? December, right? Second week of December. Oh my god! Oh no, second week of December. I've got a tiny show. In Ocean City, Maryland. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not going to be a C2E2. I've got work. I mean, I'll be working. But yeah, on and also else. work. And <laughs> also work. Um, am I going to Chicago at all next year? I don't know. Um, is there, when is LA Comic Con? Are you planning on going to that, Tony? I'm going to be at that one, yeah. Okay. That's early in December also. That's it's the like first the, week of December, yeah. Yeah. You know, like the 7th or something? Cool. Yeah. yeah. I'll be at that. Um, I'll have Stray Dog stuff there. Sweet. I think I just saw like an email about it. <laughs> the time are you going to LA? Uh, I'm tr- I'm going to try to go. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, probably going to be the first con I've gone to in like what two years. I have to send some things to you. <laughs> they're, doing a, they're doing a weird thing at LA Comic Con where because of COVID protocols, you buy your ticket for like a, a portion of the day, and then they empty out the hall, and then they bring in another small group. So instead of having like oh. one small group for all day long, you can be at like, you get a pass for like part of the day. Oh, then, okay. Mm-hmm. I get you. So it's like you, you buy like certain hours. Yeah. Because they're not doing full capacity. Oh. So they're, they're letting people in for small groups for part of the day. I have no idea how that's going to work. It seems like it's going to be kinda a like a, Yeah. Kind of like a Disney fast pass, I guess. Yeah. yeah I think so, like maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least, you know, I guess so you're not smelling everybody's farts. I guess that's okay. <laughs> I will smell farts no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> mask on, mask off. You're screwed. Yeah. Um, yeah. The next question is, and this is actually a really good question. Um, Mandy, uh, she asks, would you sign another artist or writer's book if it's a homage to your work? Mm. Sure. What was that? I missed the end uh, of that question. That's okay. Uh, would you sign another artist or writer's book if it's a homage to your work? So, like, if somebody did like a oh. Stray Dogs homage cover or some sort well, of Stray I got Dogs, a little something for that. Somebody brought their <laughs> copy of um, Rainbow Bridge, and they wanted me to sign it, and I was like, "We didn't do anything with this book." 
Uh, it's a cute book. It's a good story. I love it. But, um, you know, so I drew a remark on it and then I signed the remark. There you go. Oh, okay. There's a good solution. I just yeah. saw that very same copy of that Rainbow Bridge. So they brought it to me to sign yesterday. And I was just oh. like, what is this? <laughs> I like that book, but I, yeah, I, I didn't draw this. Yeah, I, I guess draw this. <laughs> like, it would make sense if it's like a character that you guys did or, uh, yeah, if it's like a, if it's a tribute cover or something to the book. <laughs> But I like what you did, Trish. You found the loophole in the system, and that's how you got to yeah. do it. And that's that's why that's that's why you're a professional. To be honest with you. <laughs> I, I just decided on the fly. I'm like, I'm going to make a little tiny corgi remark. Tiny. Boom. But well, Trish, I kind of asked you to do the same thing. I, I had a, a something that's called the children's blank cover, and then I asked for the Sophie. Oh yeah, something, something is killing. Something's killing yeah. the owners. Sophie oh, slaughter. That's, cool. that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's it genius. Just, it just it just made sense. Um, so we had uh, so Sean over at the group. He had a good amount of questions. Um, I don't want to ask the first one because that's negative. Um, when uh, Dog Days <laughs> ends, can we expect any dog related books in the future? I think you kind of answer that. Maybe you guys will work on something going forward. Um, yeah, I don't know if it would be dogs or, or not. I mean, it seems like it would be stupid to not do dogs again, but also like. I feel like we sort of have we'll said typecast. Yeah, you were already the dog guy, you know, like you did that uh, battle pug cover. And... <laughs> yeah, I did Boo the World's <laughs> Cutest Dog. Yeah. I mean, I've just got finished being a pony guy for 10 years, so you're happy to kind of go wherever else. Across universes. Well, that's what Andy called my booth at uh, at Baltimore Comic Con was the actual dog and pony show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so even if it's not a dog's thing, but you guys yeah. plan on, on, on collaborating still in the future? Yeah, at some point, for awesome. sure. Awesome, cool. Okay. We're, we're just yeah. we're working on collaborating right now this point and then we'll see what future collaboration looks like once we get yeah, keep, cool keep, um, once we get there. keep the team together why not it's yeah. been working yeah. uh It'll be like really... one of those old band back together situations <laughs> you, know. you son we... of a bitch i'm in but you're still in your, <laughs> still in your prime though still in the prime yeah uh another great question another great question from sean was uh favorite horror movies hmm. horror is not necessarily my genre if you can believe it uh, I like spooky movies, okay. but mm. not gory movies. Mm-hmm. So, um, or like I like more mental, like I guess suspense. Yeah, so up here, mm-hmm. mess with me up here. Don't show me all the blood guts. I don't. That's not appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, but I know all your like you know your classics, your your Freddies, even though it's gory as hell. That movie traumatized me when I was a kid. So you know, what's your favorite spooky movie? Oh gosh! Or give me a list if you don't if you can't pick just one. <laughs> Top five. Throw me on the spot, I guess. Well, what would you like? What did you get into the spirit for during Halloween? Like, what did you throw on? I literally did nothing. For Halloween. I was drawing dogs, man. Quit distracting. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to derail it right here. Uh, one thing that I forgot to mention: I've noticed that in interactions with people on Twitter, you use like I do a lot of office gifts as replies. Are you an office fan? Yes. Yes. Good. <laughs> nice. Thank you. I like funny things. I like yeah. things that make me laugh. Um, what we do in shadows—that's great. Yeah. That's great. It's spooky and Both. funny. 
Yeah. It kind of gets the office itch. Like, you kind of scratch the office itch, and then you kind of, you know, it's a little spooky. That, I love that, it. that could be another idea, like a, a, a dog book on, like, funny stuff. Situational yeah. comedy. Yeah. Situational comedy. Yeah, I use a lot of I use a lot of gifts to reply to people. Mostly the office. It's relatable to me. Yeah. And, I do uh, that at work and it's like I kinda get in trouble sometimes, but then it's <laughs> like, God, everyone's laughing. Leave me alone. What do you do? Um another question Sean had was best costumes you dressed as dressed up as in Halloween. I didn't dress up as anything this year. In previous years, like one year I went to Disney World. I have this full mascot getup of a character I designed. Like big head, puffy hands, and all that business. And you I wore it to Disney it, World? I wore it to Disney World before <laughs> they started cracking down on all the you can't wear mm-hmm. you know yeah. full mm-hmm. mask and all that business. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like get on anything. Yeah, I didn't get on any rides. I took a lot of pictures with people. And as soon as it got too hot, which was almost instantly off, because <laughs> you know it was it was during the Halloween party, so they were a little bit more lax about that. Yeah. Stuff. That, was, that was like your, that was your favorite one, your best one, you know. Um, but yeah, that was that best costume. How about you, Tony? But I have a bunch. I have like an Indiana Jones costume. I, you know, Chunk from Goonies. I used to do that all the time. <laughs> I had. Uh... I haven't dressed up in a while, but I had a good run going in my 20s. One year I dressed up as Papa Smurf. I know, I think I was just a Smurf. I don't think I had the beard. Maybe I had a beard. But I basically just didn't wear a shirt and painted my whole body blue. And then I just wore like white sweatpants and a white hat. (laughs) And then uh, that was disgusting. Like I was just, I was just chipping blue paint everywhere in the the party (laughs) I was at. And then it, like towards the end of the night, I just like, you know, we're drinking and uh, I sort of didn't have any inhibition. So I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to take a shower. So <laughs> I was just at a friend's house and I just went and took a shower in their shower and just left this disgusting blue ring around the whole. That's a good uh, friend. Shower. Yeah. But and then that same couple the next year, they had a baby and uh, I came to Halloween as their baby. <laughs> like I made a, a printed T-shirt that had like a picture of them that said "Mommy and Daddy," and I just wore like an adult diaper, uh, and, and was there as, as their baby. So That's yeah, pretty awesome. But not for many years. I've Awesomely creepy. Working. Yeah, so that <laughs> was creepy. Uh, one one of the better questions I think Sean asked was, "How early is too uh, is too early to start playing Christmas music?" This too early okay. now. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Oh, I'm ready. I'm I'm completely ready. <laughs> Tone's here. He's been playing Christmas music just while we draw. He's he's mm. in this Christmas spirit already. And I got to start watching my Rankin and Bass movies because if you don't get start those in like November, you're not going to get through them all in December. You know? Um. Next one is what is your uh, least favorite animal to draw? I like to draw animals. I don't know if I have a least favorite animal to draw. Hmm. Hmm. What, could, what could take too long or, you know, movement? Yeah, I like or... drawing animals a lot, too. Like, that's a tough, that's a tough one. Hmm. Yeah, I like cats all right. Yeah, I like cats all right. Dogs. I like dinosaurs. I had to dinosaurs. draw a dinosaur skeleton recently. That was complicated. I didn't like that as much. It would have been much easier if it had skin. 
Now, a least favorite okay. subject to draw would be anything that has to be mechanical. I am not like into mechanical things. Okay. Yeah. Like, if it looks like it has to function as a robot or like a car or anything, need. Uh, yeah, there, I used to have ponies that I, that I didn't like drawing as much as other ponies because some of them were just more difficult, but, but just specific animals. I think I like drawing all of them. I don't have a, I guess it's harder to draw really big ones just because they, because to fit them into a, a situation is more difficult. Like we did, um, My Little Pony Transformers and it was difficult because the Transformers are so giant and the ponies are so small and so to to figure out the scale of that and do compositions that made any sense was pretty annoying. Wow. That's true. Um, if I had to pick a situation where I don't like drawing animals, it's when we're trying to squeeze 11 dogs into one panel. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's been good about this, about the book we're working on now with dog days is that it's, we're doing solo stories on each of the dogs. So they're very few and far between are there times where there's a whole bunch of dogs together. It's just one dog at a time or one or two dogs at a time. So it's been, we've been trying to take it a little bit easier on church, but the hard part is now they're all in different settings and different situations. So it's the backgrounds are more, are more varied and, and more complicated. That's actually like a question I had. So thank you for answering that beforehand. I was like really excited to see if we could hear like some backstories on these dogs. Um, another question is of course, cause we had this horror theme was your favorite serial killer. I don't know if there's, you could answer that. Like, do you really have a favorite serial killer? But uh, who's what story interests you the most when it comes to like serial? Killers? I would just I would just watch a bunch of uh, like a movie about uh, Richard Speck, uh, who's more of like a spree killer. He's the one that in Chicago went into that nurse's dormitory and just killed eight eight nurses in one night. Uh, but it was like he was only a spree killer because of opportunity. Like you would have called him a serial killer if he hadn't just stumbled upon like a a building full of nurses. Yeah. You know? Um. I. I. Again, like I said, they're all stupid assholes. So I don't. He's not my favorite by any means, but it, it was definitely interesting. You know, like it's sort of like a car crash or something. Like you slow down to watch it and see what the see how fucked up it is, or um, see if you know the person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that that, 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 that doesn't school. make you uh, that doesn't make you a car crash connoisseur because you, you yeah. Yeah. to look. Um, I just read the Ed Gain uh, graphic novel that Eric Powell did, oh, um, yeah. and he's uh, that's an all star serial killer for sure. Like he he's Ooh. psycho. He's Silence of the Lambs. You know. uh, Texas, Texas Chainsaw. Texas yeah. Chainsaw. Yeah. Oh, Beatrice, do you have one? No, I don't really. I'm not one of those people who follows the serial killers. Uh, Trish is a nice lady. Who's your favorite serial killer? That was was, uh, Tony's. uh, Yeah, my favorite serial killer is the one in this book because he doesn't exist. (laughs) That's a great answer. Um. Yeah, but my first the the first description Tony had of me on any podcast was this is a nice lady. I hope she says yes to drawing my book. (laughs) I would always think of her that way, you know, because like we've we've talked a lot more now and sort of um, interact. We like we do podcasts, but we get on the phone a lot, and so like we know each other pretty well now. But when we're working on the book, especially when stuff would start to get really messed up, I was just like, oh man, I gotta 
tell this nice lady that, that we got to draw this, you know, like, <laughs> how's that going to go over? Meanwhile, you know, I'm sitting there with my glass of wine, staring at the final pages of issue three, like, oh, I'm really going to do this. I'm really going to do this. Gulp. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> at, at issue three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I only have a few more. Uh, Sean also wrote, was it always going to be Victor? Yeah. Um, yeah. Sean, that was um, short, answer. shortest, shortest answer. Yes. Let's keep then, it that way. Then, um, what is the last comic or graphic novel you read that made you that made you cry? Do you have think, one, Trish? No, I don't really cry at these things. Heartless. Uh, Come on, issue three. You could reread this. I mean, issue three. You know, <laughs> issue three. That got a lot of people. Um, but even <clears throat> I had been so desensitized to it, only because you know I had the script and everything for so long. Mm. Um, it was just like we knew that was coming, so I could brace for it. Anyway, you know, that was just uh, you know well, me. But uh, I don't, I don't have one that I've nor- that I cried at. You know. I oh. think uh, I think Paper Girls might have got me. Oh, Paper Girls definitely did. Uh, I remember exactly when. Um, but the one, the, like the first one, the one that I always think about uh, is issue six or seven of Straight Bullets. Uh, it's the Virginia Applejack story where her dad dies and she's left alone with like her horrible family. Uh, and it's just the like the art in it is so amazing, and like the the storytelling and that part of it is so amazing. It's just like I, if I look at it now, I'll well up because it's just so well done and so like powerful. Like it's just he David Lapham draws straight bullets all in like an eight panel grid, pretty much. So it's just these small, you know, eight panels on a page, panels of this girl chasing after an ambulance, and then you turn the page and it's this huge splash of the ambulance driving away. It's just like it's, it's amazing. You're like, Super good. you haven't read Stray Bullets. End the interview. I don't want to start crying. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the last question we actually got was from Doc, our friend Doc. Um, did PETA ever reach out to you for a join ad campaign? <laughs> no. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing, though? That's a really good question because like, that'd be pretty fun to do. Like, Well, I've got something that kind of leads into that. Uh, Virgil Ocampo from the um, Stray Dogs group, he um, he works with the Show Your Soft Side campaign. Um, here in Baltimore, that is um, an organization that works to help um, homeless animals or, or, like, give animals a new lease on life. Like, um, a lot of people don't like pit bulls because they say they're, you know, mean dogs are scary, they're bred to hurt, blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of like, you know, people who own these dogs, mostly sports, like sports celebrities and local celebrities take pictures and they do ad campaigns to draw awareness to that sort of thing where, no, these, you know, these animals don't be mean to them. They're just animals. Like, yeah. Dogs are great. Regardless, dogs regardless are great. Them, don't yeah. be a monster. Well, one of my or, closest friends has a pit bull. And, um, <clears throat> and of course, uh, she bought she bought the pit bull over one day. She said, you got to put the poop boy here for a while. And I'm like, your dog's not going to bite me. And she's like, no, you don't understand. And I was like, no, no, no. Your dog's feeding off of your energy. I'll, I'll let your dog roam around my apartment. It's okay. And she was like, what if it bites you? It's not. 
you know, uh, it's all about dogs feed off other people's energy. And the dog was walking around and smelling things around. And after like 15 minutes, a dog sits next to me. I have a, a couch in front of me. My friend's sitting there and her dog's laying down next to me. And I was like, uh, your dog's over here laying down. She's like, <laughs> oh, my God, how did that happen? I was like, you have to understand dogs. Like they're Gravity? Not- <laughs> I'm tired. I've been sniffing stuff for the last 15 minutes. Um, no, it was just like, I'm, I'm not trying to force myself on your dog. I'm just minding my own business and your dog's doing whatever dogs do. And just, you know, don't worry about your dog. You're fine. And it, it's a pretty big pit bull. At first I was like, I fucked up. Um, but then it was like, no, I'm fine. Like, you know, and yeah, her dog loves me. With, you can learn a lot about how you can learn a lot about people. I always say that you can learn a lot about people based on how they treat animals. Um, you know, so if you, you know, scared all the time of an animal and you encounter it, it's probably going to feed off of that vibe and not vibe yeah. with you. Um, You're scared. I mean, there's plenty of reasons to be scared of certain animals, of course, but you know. Oh, but, yo, Doug, you've got uh, Mark Dosanos prints right behind you there, right? Hanging up in the background behind that uh, massive statue. Yeah, mm-hmm. behind that statue. That's my buddy. He used to live in this house with me. Oh, really? Like in this room that I'm in right now, he, his drawing table used to be right there. That is awesome. Yeah, he might have drawn that here. That is sick. Whoa. Crossover. Another another back connection. <laughs> nice. Um, but uh I just want to end with a uh everyone in the there's a Facebook group that um Tony and Trish are in, uh the stray dogs and good boy uh comic community. Uh there's Doc who runs it. Um it's a great group, it's a fun group. Um a lot of exclusives are uh are are launched in there, a lot of comic um uh, shops sell their exclusives through there, and um, it's a very fun community. We share dog pics. It's a good time. Um, if you come across this group, feel free to join. Um, Doc, you didn't ask me to do this, but I'm doing it for you. Um, and yeah, so uh, thank you guys for participating and uh, and submitting those questions for this podcast. Yeah, thanks, group. That's awesome. Thanks, group. Okay, before we let you guys get back to real life, so as we uh, talked about a little bit at the top uh so dog days is coming up uh december 29th i think uh tell us what to expect from the the two issues of dog days you want me to do it trish yeah i was gonna say you picture me Uh, (laughs) (laughs) listen you love these characters in in the stray dog series uh get ready to spend a little bit more time with them um it's just (laughs) individual stories for the characters we didn't get to spend a lot of time on while we were telling Stray Dogs. Since it's stra- it's so fast. Like, Stray Dogs is so fast. So, we'll slow down. Take a minute. Appreciate each each character that we met along the way. And, you know, tell a story. Yeah. When we when we pitched the, the book to Image originally, we said, this is the story. It takes place in five issues. This is the plot. Um, and, but then, because it moves so fast and we sort of there's some of these dogs that, that maybe they only say one or two things in the whole book. And if, if the book is, Oh, hello. What are you doing? You want to come up here? Yeah, if, 
if the book is successful, uh, we want to go back and do like a special or like a, a couple of specials where we get to focus on all these other dogs and sort of give each one of these dogs because we like like we loved them so much when we were making it and we were coming up with these characters that like it'd be cool to show like some of them where they came from or like other stories that happened inside the, the world of this book. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the show. He likes the pitch. <laughs> yeah, he came over to approve a page. Uh, so yeah, it's just, I, I describe it as sort of like the Lord of the Rings extended edition of Stray Dogs where it's like the story is in one through five. And then if you want to know more about these characters, pick up dog days. Um, there's like stories that are scary and there's stories that are funny and there's stories that are sad and stories that are happy. So it's just sort of like a way to get to do other stories with these characters outside of the confines of the mystery in, in the Stray Dogs miniseries. Was that um part of what happened on uh, Free Comic Book Day? Uh, the one yeah. issue? Yeah. Free awesome. Comic Book Day story is sort of like a, a good... I like a good idea of what dog day stuff is like, but that one was with the first dog that ever went to the master's house. So yeah. it was just sort of uh, like that one is a different dog. This one is all dogs that we know from the, from the book, but you'll see like, you'll see that dog and you'll see the first generation dogs and you'll sort of, it's just sort of like a way That's to get awesome. to fill in a lot of blanks. Cool. Cool. And think- that is uh December 29th. Uh, Anything yeah, else we, uh, and then January 27th or something like that. I think uh, uh, it would be awesome to find out what happens to these dogs after the fact, too. Like We got a little bit afterwards, um, but that's also a thing that we thought was sort of like just the same way as the master is more awful based on, on you filling in the blanks. Like whatever happened to these dogs is happier or depending on like what kind of outlook you have, like depending on how you fill in the blank. So, yeah. And also like, I just don't know how interesting it would be to just do like, here's Roxanne at home with a loving family. (laughs) (laughs) But then yet they all still meet at the dog park. I don't know. Right. (laughs) Well, we, I mean, we did that at the end for sure. Just to sort of, yeah. And left that that open ended too, where, where you can, you can sort of, uh, decide whether or not they remember each other, or you know, like what they still know and stuff like that. So, gotcha. That's awesome. Anything else we need to hit on before we uh, let these two get back to their real lives? No, just uh, make sure you guys, if you haven't, I mean, I'm sure you probably most of the people probably uh, have heard something, but if you haven't picked up Stray Dogs, check it out. It's an awesome story. You're missing out if you haven't checked it out. Yeah, pick up the trade. You don't have to pick up the issues. If you if you can find them, find them. Yeah, if you can find you them. <laughs> um, but just pick up the trade. It's a, it's a quick, easy read. The art's amazing. Um, you feel for the dogs. You um, you become one with this community. And follow the Facebook group. <laughs> yeah, come come hang out on the Facebook group if you dig the book. We'd like to think of it as like a good entry, like a like a gateway comic as well you know like you don't have to know anything about comics or about it you know any you know image or superheroes or anything like that like you could just hand this to anybody hopefully and they'll be able to to figure out what's up 
great stocking stuffer for the holidays. Absolutely. And, and can that ease you into all the other, there's a plethora of animal comics that are happening right now. I don't know if you would say that stray dogs is helping inspire this, but there's, yeah, like the good boy is coming. Uh, yeah, I know animal castle too. is coming. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we're, yeah, I started like we're too early to, to have, to have inspired, like anything that comes out, you know, after yeah. this point, I'll think like, eh, maybe, yeah. But I think, like, Good Boy and those, they had to be in the works already. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. But, uh, yeah, check out Stray Dogs. Check out Dog Days. Thank you so much, Tony and Trish. Have yeah, a great thank night. thank you for having us. Thank you. And Thanks thank for you, everyone, time. for listening. And we will see you next time. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thank Peace. you. Thank you. Great questions. Have a good night. Good night. Good night.